0: Welcome back to another episode of the Exterminatus Podcast, all things competitive in the world of 440,000. 40,000. My name's Eric, with me is my co-host, Robert. Hello. Ray is on assignment this week, and we've got lots to cover. A exciting weekend, last week was all about the British, with the beachhead uh, brawl, I believe it was called, and uh, Manny Chima taking that event, and uh, just working its way, and you'll see that the, most of the ICC top 10, filled with folks from England. This week, America strikes back uh, four events that we could see well over five rounds. We're going to go over the top three. And, of course, Frontline Gaming would not want to be uh, without the big charge with their first event of the Nachbund season. That's how you have to say it. Nachmund. <laughs> but uh, we're three weeks into the Nachbund season. And uh, so, so quick hot takes. Uh, right off the bat, I asked Robert this last episode. I'll ask him again. Does the ITC need an offseason to reset?
1: Uh, I'm going to choose the plead the fifth this episode <laughs> because of the fact that um, well my season has started out kind of rough because <laughs> I haven't been able to go back to playing Jessica Stowe's just yet because I had the league championship where I had to finish out the old 2021 book with my orcs and yeah no I, I packed up my toys and I went home <laughs> that was a really really hard event but no, nah, so far my answer has not changed. I do not think we need a off season. Fair enough, at least not yet. Yes, at least not yet.
0: <laughs> it is sort of that. There's two ways to look at it. One, do you need an off season to get rearing out of the gate? But then the other part of me says it is 52 weeks. Realistically, when you take out the holidays, uh, it's probably closer to 46 weeks. You don't have if you don't win. In the first three weeks or get a get a tournament of high standard you got some time to mold your list do some wood shopping catch up on hobby lag and form a list uh one thing i'm still concerned of is is doing the the uh, we used to call the josh death and for those you don't remember he was a uh, prominent uh tournament player and he came out with a list and uh, it was really hot at the time he ended up winning like three gts in five weeks And then, of course, the loophole that his whole army was based around was FAQ'd and never won another GT for the rest of the season, Uh, squeaked his way into the top eight um, at LVO, but pretty much whimpered uh, the rest of the season. So it's one of those things you're like, do you catch a list while it's hot and ride it as fast as you can? Or is this a, a season that's a long haul, similar to baseball, where you have 164 games to play?
1: Well, I'll say that list that he made it wouldn't happen to be like the seven lictor list from 7th edition would it? No
0: actually glad you asked um, it was the he called it the death blossom list and it was a back in the day right, I think it was the early days of 8th edition where if you summoned uh, basically the pink Horse split into blue horrors and the blue Horse split into brimstone horrors but all the extra horrors you added on when they split did not count towards your point total so as you kept killing his army his army got bigger for no additional point cost it wasn't until later that reinforcement points became a thing and you had to have those points set aside for summoning to make the splits work yeah
1: that makes a lot of sense because i know um for a while there i think it was when jim vessel was still playing and he the the trick was you had a brick of like twenty pink horrors for enough points for one blue to make a to make a seven-inch charge if you had a pink die in overwatch or something. Right. Yeah. So that I can understand why that would be a nuisance for all of like three events because that's I'm going to bring an extra three hundred points
0: of models that you just get to deal with and I don't have to pay for right. it. So but if you look at the gym, he was able to adapt later in the year and, um, and to a new list. This one, not so much. So it was like, oh, interesting. So, yeah, just look at that as, you know, kind of that wood shopping. you know, what else do we need to change? Do we do half-season half awards? Half all those sort of things. So still on the fence in terms of what's going on there. But uh, moving on to more hot takes in our, our new rapid-fire segment to start every show. Um, how long should a codex be on, should, let me rephrase it. Great rapid fire, Eric. (laughs) (laughs) I have a
1: feeling I I have a feeling I know where this is going.
0: When a codex comes out, how long before it should be allowed in the tournament?
1: Well, I, I would think it would be fine for the initial codex to be, Delayed by a week. If you wanted to just let the codex exist, so like for instance, if how Custodes came out a week before LVO, that would be fine. But if you wanted optimal safety, you would sadly make the players wait two weeks before their codex could be brought to the event. Now, I understand that some people paint armies for events. So, like, if you bought an entire Custodes army two months ago to come play at Scorched Earth Open, and Custodes came out a week before the event, and we went, sorry, you don't get to play the new book, that would really suck. Right. So that's a, that's a gray area of, do you play it safe and wait for the FAQ to exist, hopefully? Or do you let the book come in untested and with
0: all of the potentially annoying rules that exist. Yeah. So kind of a six of one. So from a TTO standpoint, we set a deadline. So basically if you're listening to this podcast, a uh, tonight is the deadline for new rules. Therefore the Eldari codex will not be legal at our event. And a uh, second key thing is uh, if you're listening to this podcast and you've not submitted your list to the scorched earth open, you're late. Right. You got a yellow card. So, <laughs> Sorry, plead your case to me uh, in three in 300 words or less and why you didn't turn it in on time. But anyway, um, so yeah, we set the deadline of the 28th months ago because just like everyone else, there's prep time that needs to be taken care of. And basically we looked at it as it wasn't, we had no crystal ball. We had no idea what was coming out at that time. Matter of fact, when we set that deadline, we didn't even know when Custos and Steeler Colt were coming out. So the idea is that gives us two full weeks or two weekends to make all the other preparations we need to for the event. But also if there's a new codex a hit dropped, let's say the codex had dropped this past Saturday, that gives us two weeks to ramp up, read through it and figure out what works, what doesn't work. And from a judge standpoint, especially, yep. yeah. so especially with the Aldari codex, it's really almost three codices in one. So it's just like, oh, my God.
1: Yeah, Eldar just had to show up fashionably late.
0: Which has been our track record, by the way. Um, this happened, I think it was our fourth Scorched Earth. The same thing happened. The new Eldari Codex came out, and it would, it missed the deadline by like 48 hours or something like that. Which was, and I was, as a TL, I was just like phew, because that was the year when uh, Wraithguard were walking around with D-strength weapons. And it was like, yeah, I don't even know how to handle that. And uh that time being it was so new there were no FAQs. So I know James Keeling has r- written about this several times on Goonhammer. Uh wait for the FAQ. Uh Rob the Honest Wargamer the same same way. Wait for the uh the final version is usually that first FAQ after two weeks. Uh the other side of the coin is for crying out loud, it's been on Warhammer Community. The only thing that's missing is point value, so you should be able to have a full understanding of all the rules by now. And I'm like, I have a gist of it. I may need someone's codex to make a ruling on something, but, um, yeah, there's a lot of nuances in trying to figure out what works and what doesn't work. So, yeah, sorry guys. Um, no Eldari codex for this tournament, and um, so uh, we'll just, that will be announcing months in advance. So
1: yeah and i know there's probably a good few people that are probably built up an eldar army and they're like all right well we get to play with our old book for one last hurrah and then after
0: that we get to go party with new toys yeah exactly it's that's one thing it's uh, when it comes to the new toys is um it's more of the data sheets and like a few plastic replacements. I mean, if you're an old time craft world player, you've got the models lying around. You could probably whip up an army pretty quick. So, uh, but just just want to be fair to everyone involved. On the flip side, it brings us to our next question. Um, Eldari, the, the, the new Drukhari? Or what are your thoughts of this codex so far, what you've seen? Um, well, to be honest, after
1: maybe three weeks of reading and hearing about how amazing some of these rules are and stuff like battle focus where you can battle focus in and out of buildings and all this other stuff. It's like, um, you know what? I am going to put my helmet on my head with a whole bunch of cotton next to my ears. And I'm going to wait until the, I get the book to give a final judgment because sure. Some stuff seems broken. Some stuff sounds balanced, but the, the overall thing is I want to make my own opinion and stuff,
0: follow the internet. <laughs> so, so I'm not very, I, I've always said from day one, I'm not the guy who will read you the codex and do a hot take. I'm not very good at that. Never have been. Uh, I will play it on the table and get some ideas. So, like, wow, that was interesting. That's, ooh, that's, that's rough. Um, there's not a lot of options there. Not every army has an answer to that, or that's just freaking broken. That can't be right
1: yeah and it's very much the same logic that i have playing custodes right now after their official after their faq and whatnot with the points drops some stuff i agree should be toned back up in points or should be toned down in lethality because sometimes it is just kind of silly what you can do with it but at the same time This is post FAQ. I'm not going to sit there and try to consult game balancing when I'm not the one actually testing the gosh darn stuff.
0: Right. So, if they need some practice with it, I will say, however, I've already made, I may or may not have written a new Drakari list. You know, I've taken my old list and uh, took some of the goodies that I've seen online. And now, of course, through unofficial channels, I know exactly what the points levels are for those. And I'm like, yep, I'm ready to go. Uh, I would love to test this army out uh, when that codex drops but I uh, definitely need a little practice with it especially uh, so the biggest thing for me is I am trying to find a webway gate. I looked at that model for months going like eh it's a nice piece but when would I ever use it? I don't need more stuff gathering sh- dust on the shelves. Now it's like I've scoured five friendly game stores. Nobody has it. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no. At, when I was at the League Championships, I I I browsed the shelves of the store, and was nope, no no webway gates on Gamer Guild shelves.
0: Okay, that's one store I haven't been to yet. though. that cross them off the list? Yeah. So that thing is that. Like I said, it's just I'm taking pretty much even if I just it's an eighty point model, and. Robert, you've played against my list, so generally what happens is if I know I'm going to get blown off the table, I have already marked it on my list, what is exactly half of my points as well as my units, so that I can maximize everything in reserves. Yeah, and
1: and because it's a terrain piece, I can't destroy the webway gate, right? Correct. Okay, so at that point, I just have to line up in front of the gate with with food and dinner tables and other things
0: like all right we have to wait for eric to show up i guess so what generally happens is i lure my opponent to go rah i alpha strike you because you only have talos on the table and they come all the way over to my zone and i remind them there's this buried rule in the rule book that I can come in off my back edge and I can ignore the minimum nine inch rule. Matter of fact, if you're close enough, I can emerge directly into close combat and you, I count as charged and you cannot overwatch me. And they just go, Oh, I forgot about that. Yep. That's gotten me a few times. So the webway portal lets you do that too. Oh, fun times. Right. This is a huge glow up. So the, Whereas, yes, it's a terrain piece, so it can't be killed. It used to be a fourteen wound, strength eight model with a three up, five up. So yeah, it cannot be destroyed. And the other thing that used to stink when it did get destroyed, you could, you would lose, You had to specifically put a model in the webway, Now, just any models in strategic reserve. So even if you, the webway is not in the ideal position, it can come out on the table sides or by back edge, I'm fine. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And like with player place terrain, let's say your opponent sets up a big old obscuring building right in the middle of the table. Mm-hmm.
0: You go, I'm going to put it over there. It's, it's still a good move because it keeps me out of center field. So, you know, I have to be back four inches, but the other nice thing is, uh, my CP cost for everything I put in reserves is cut in half, rounded down. <laughs> hmm. That, that's some that's pretty good math right there. Yep. So without yeah swapping out 80 points of whatever, I forgot what I took out of my list to make room for this thing. All of a sudden, my army just, just got so much better right off the bat. That's even with all the datasheet nerfs. I'm like, hmm, deal with this now. <laughs> Well, I'm free Mondays, and we can proxy your webway. (laughs) Yeah, we might have to. I have a a couple of foam ones I've made. Anyway, moving on with uh, two more rapid fires, and then we'll get into our uh, main event here, our primary objective. Warhammer Plus, the Exodite, is finally out. Thoughts on the new show? Well, I haven't watched it yet, because I've been
1: busy doing a whole bunch of work stuff and other life things so i haven't had a chance to watch it but the animation i will i will give it is is stunning though yeah
0: so this is one of the animation style i prefer i love cgi i even like more stylized things i think my favorite was probably on uh, what if on disney plus where it came to the marvel style so i was not a big fan of hammer and bolter's animation style but i like the stories this is more of my alley so i'm like oh this is really cool have to admit first episode Felt like a trailer, but now I know why it's called the Exodite. And I'd be really curious if the show creates enough interest to bring the fourth or fifth, depending if you count Corsairs, uh, type of LR into the game. It should be really interesting.
1: Well, I know I'm going to have plenty of time this week before certain things that I can probably watch the episodes. Because are they, like, 20-minute-long episodes, or are they short, like and Bolton? They're short, like everything else, just like um,
0: Angels of Death. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay, so, like, 15 minutes or less, got it. So that's probably my one gripe, I would say, about Warhammer Plus. If you're going to give me a new episode every other week, <laughs> it's only 12 minutes long, I'm like, I need something else and I feel bad if you're an AOS fan because there's, like, no content to that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know they'll eventually make
1: something for AOS players because you can probably do some really cool CGI effects with
0: Skaven and stuff, like all the Warpstone and stuff like oh, that. Yeah. It'd be really neat. It was. They showed it in their preview. There's three series that are AOS-based, and actually one of them, it's more the traditional... Um, anime style you know with that but it looks really interesting i'm like i don't know much about aos but i'd watch that show and um it's just the the rollout's been really really slow so i'm kind of like going
2: hmm
0: okay so just bizarre um trying to work that through Mm -hmm. so there we go and then last but not least uh Nids are next, so before we you know we we barely have a chance to digest the the new elves. We've already got, got the, the Tyranids right off right on their heels. Uh, well, I know for a fact
1: that with the way um, some rules work, unless they bake in crusher stampede into the no, new codex, which they most likely will, because why wouldn't they? Um the Niz are probably going to get a humongous overhaul in points, mainly like the monsters are probably going to be a lot more expensive. Maybe that's just my assumption. Hmm. Or, or they're going to make everything so gosh darn cheap that you would be incentivized to bring the hordes of the carpet of gaunts again, rather than monster mash. But I mean, those are the classic sides of the coin with the bugs. Right. So um, the big thing that got me with the one thing that I, I think got reve- got either got revealed by GW or leaked was the fact that the Hive Tyrant it goes up to Toughness 8 while on foot instead of being T7 while he's flying is what I think the change is to compensate for the fact that he now has to walk across the table. I did not see that. Interesting. Okay. Again, I'm... I heard it by word of mouth from another player who has been playing... Uh, it was actually Tyler Hepler. He's been playing Tyranids for probably a really long time, mm-hmm. because his his bugs are great. Um, But no, I, I heard it from him and he said it was like, take it with a grain of salt kind of rumor. So... But I wouldn't be surprised if that's actually what they did. Because... If they make a normal hive tyrant toughness eight, that'll bump swarm lord of the toughness eight to compensate with the swarm lord no longer having access to a three up and vulnerable save at all. Because I know he gets a, I think it's like a four up in shooting and a three up in combat or something like that. Yeah. Okay. But that, that's just chain of thought.
0: Right. All of that with a humongous mountain of salt. So, so when you say is bacon, some of the things from, uh. Brood Brood Crusher. (laughs) Sorry, wrong list. Uh, The Stampede, Rampage Stampede there. One of the things that really makes that list work is the number of bottles holding the objectives equal to your current wounds. Do you think that'll make an appearance? Um, I'm
1: thinking they might change it to something like how they did with the Armagers and the Knights, where if you're a model of X size, you count as 5, whereas if you're a model of Bigger than that, you can, it's 10. Right. Because um, when you think about it, what large model do Tyranids have access to? Um, that would be the Bio Titan. So you could, I mean, you'll lose the game, right, because you're only standing on one objective, but that's going to be something like 30 or 40 wounds holding an objective. And sure, anything it looks at, it'll just murder it. But it'll just—it's <laughs> still stupid complicated to think about. Right. So at that point, it's like okay, Bio Titan counts as ten models. Easy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I kind of like. I kind of wish Knight switched back to the Tyranid version, because then like a, uh, uh, yeah, Castellan was what twenty eight wounds to
1: start. So it was like, oh yeah, the the Valley the Castellan. Yeah would just stand an objective and be like, you need four, you need 15 custodians to come take this objective from me. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and then it's kind of the idea is like, okay. And then well, then the as your opponent, you're like, well, if he's just going to stand there. I will use the terrain and kind of dodge from building to building to get to you. And cause if I knock, especially like some of the newer missions, like uh, the upgraded scouring, where if you're holding you know that back your your whole objective is the only way you get command points if I'm remembering that correctly, I'm still try to rack my brain, or the other ones with like vital intelligence, you have to be mm-hmm. holding that one objective if I knock you off that objective, I don't care how many objectives you held in no man's laid. you can't do the action so
1: yeah and and if you put that in perspective if if but if if <laughs> they keep the the counting as current wounds Uh on the objective for the Tyranids, there is a very high chance of that rule passing on to Knights because of the fact that Knights play specifically in larger models. So at that point, it's a, okay, I have an armature that counts as like 14 wounds or whatever. And then you have your Knights that are 24 or 28. And and imagine if some, oh, I know all the Forge World Knights got put down to same night stats because I know the Porpion used to be something like 30 wounds and toughness nine or something. Yeah, I was like T9. That was that was fun. So yeah, like that would that'd be a fun time and just have a T
0: night Prophyrion and everything the game wounds it on fives or sixes. <laughs> Well last time I played it I used the uh the, had my old haywire rules. So <laughs> oh yeah. My opponent just looked at me like, What do you mean you wound me out of fours? What what are all these mortal
2: wounds? What the hell is it?
0: <laughs> Yeah, um
1: which when you think about how durable some suits are, um looking at the the current menaces of all of the competitive formats, one of them has a lot of them and they are incredibly durable. And it's really, really annoying.
2: Are you a gamer that has more bare plastic than you have time to paint? Do paintbrushes spontaneously combust when you hold them? If either of these is true, contact White Crow Studios and get your models painted by a college-trained professional painter. You can contact Bo at whitecrow.commissions at gmail.com and view his previously painted models at White Crow Studios on Facebook.
0: So let's get into that. Our uh, primary injective is the big events from this past weekend. And um, yeah, if you want to prepare for the meta, it's pretty rock, paper, scissors right now. And um, so looking at we're looking at going to focus on three events for this past weekend, and they all pretty much have the same top ten. <laughs> so let's start with the big one. Tell us about the Cherokee Open. All
1: right. Well, from fifth. To first place. Um, Fifth place, we have Jesse Carmack playing Custodes. In fourth place, we have Anthony Birdsong also playing Custodes. And then I'm just going to save. It's third through first place is Sean Rice, then Quentin Johnson, and then Jack Harpster took the Cherokee Open, all playing Tau, but Jack Harpster was specifically playing Farsight Enclaves. I believe the other two were Taucept, if I remember correctly. Well, luckily, I have those lists all up and ready to go. All right, let's talk about them. So we will, let's see, that is Harpsters. Okay, so third place, which was Sean Race. He was playing Taucept. And in the, so to start off the list, he has a unit of two Crisis Bodyguards. With um, fragmentation burst launchers and target locks and a single gun drone. And then one unit of Cruit Hounds. And Cruit Hounds I'm not super familiar with, but they are Cruit, so I don't
0: give a lot of thought about them. I know they're a fast attack I- choice among Cruit and they used to have like a, a charge bonus, but I know they got switched around in the new codex, so I'm not exactly sure what they do either.
1: Yeah, but again, it's it's a it's a five-man unit, so I think he was using that just to fill out points for maybe like potential action monkeys. I think that's what I think so. Um, then his first two HQs in this patrol detachment um, it was a a enforcer commander, and then his other one was the ethereal. So the um, the battle, the enforcer commander. Um, let's see. Precision hunter, missile pod, plasma rifle, shield generator. So it has a four pin promising pupil. It has a flamer. Okay. This relic I'm going to make fun of for the entire season. The bagel hunter's plate. He was hunting that bagel. That's right. Um, and then a thermonutronic projector along with two marker drones. Um, then the ethereal also had two marker drones. So they both have marker lights. And there's only two troop choices in the entire patrol were um croot just regular Kroot carnivores okay. uh and then he has a brick of five crisis suits with um shield drones they all have airburst fragmentation pods um missile pods and a plasma rifle and all have target locks one of the Shasuis has the iridium battle suit which gives it uh-huh. a two up armor safe and the second elite choice is a is a minimum size unit of stealth battle suits with a gun and a shield drone, all with burst cannon. Uh, actually that is four. Four stealth suits, not three. Um, but all with burst cannons. Uh then he has a unit of S with Stingwings. And here is what I was worried about. Two units of three broadsides, both with two shield drones and um Shield generators, so four up in across the unit. It's wonderful. And they each have a marker drone. They have the heavy rail rifle, stabilized optics, and twin smart missile systems. And then he has a second patrol, also Sept, because following the Nach book. <laughs> but, um, you can only. It helps that I actually took German in high school. So, <laughs> um, but anyway, the second patrol is led by another commander in a crisis suit. A, another single unit of car, carnivores, and he actually brought Commander Shadow Sun for a supreme command attachment. Okay, it's about that, so that. Yeah, okay. Um, and then we have Quentin Johnson. He brought, he brought a custom set, which his choices were calm under pressure and pinpoint targeting. So Calm Under Pressure, um, if you're shooting with a assault weapon within 12 inches, you add one to the strength characteristic. And then Pinpoint Targeting is each time a model makes a ranged attack within 12 inches, whatever you're shooting at does not receive the benefits of light cover. So you're plus one strength and ignoring light cover within 12 inches, which means you're playing rather aggressively. Um, and he has a humongous brick of four Crisis Bodyguards with all air bursting fragments, so non of sight shooting, and then one burst can, each with shield drones. A cold star commander. A another ethereal. Well, a ethereal. One unit of recruit. Two bricks of five crisis suits. Uh God.
0: I hate I hate this game so much right now.
2: <laughs> so many, many crisis suits. Two bricks of five,
0: another brick of four. So that's 14 crisis suits on the table. Yeah. Wow. And one of the... Yeah, and one of those is a bodyguard unit. Yeah, the four. Wow. Okay. And
1: there's still T5, Um,
0: four wounds, three up save, right?
1: Yeah, and if you take shield generators, they have a four up invulner. Yeah. (laughs) And these two units are kitted out almost the same, all with um, two burst and one cyclic ion cannon, well, cyclic ion blaster, and then an iridium battle suit, so the two up armor save. And one has enough for stim injectors, which I am not sure what that does, but I know it is a suit system at that point. Um, it used to be film the pain. I don't know what it does now. But the moving on as I skim through the book, because <laughs> professional podcasting, everybody, that's right. um, the crew hounds and a unit of pathfinders. So that's 10 marker plates. Oh, Jesus. And nine and 10 pulse carbines. And then one Devilfish fish in that detachment. And then another patrol of, again, same custom sept. So crisis suit commander, another 10 carnivores, another three crisis suits. That's 17. knots. Wow. And then a unit of two stealth suits. Uh, no, four stealth suits. The the shots is listed as a separate thing with some more Marker Drones and then one more unit of hounds, and... I think
0: he may have exceeded the critical mass he needs for that many Marker Drones. Because <laughs> it's not like the old system where you need like five Marker Drones to get like every bonus on the planet. It's just, you know, you, know, you throw it on there, a unit gets plus one to hit. So it's like,
1: hmm. Yeah, I've, I think it's because of the fact that the one game I had against Tau the other weekend... Mm-hmm. Is you can stack mul- when you perform the marker light action, you can stack multiple marker light um, tokens on the same unit, and every time you fire at that unit, you eat up one. Is how my opponent was playing. Right. So at that point, like um, he shot into one of my into my um, Virtus Praetor unit. That unit had four marker lights on it. It it took him. Up until his storm surge, to get rid of all of them.
0: <laughs> yeah, so that from from that's what I'm getting at is okay. So he had four marker lights on that unit. So statistically, he has shot probably eight, maybe seven, because they hit on threes. Now, so he needed seven marker drones. So that means four of his units had were shooting at that unit at plus one. It's not like the old days where like the first marker light removes cover, the second marker light. Re-roll ones. Third marker light gives you another bonus that nobody liked. Fourth marker light gives you the fourth bonus on the chart. You know, it's kind of, it was much more simple. That's what I'm thinking. Let's, this guy's got—I lost count around 20 marker lights. Like, let's call it 21. Does he really need to put 14 marker lights on stuff? Does he have 14 units in his list? I'm Kind of confused.
1: I honestly don't know. It's—it's just—I guess it's—he's. Mac, he's maximizing the number of marker lights so that way, if a unit gets picked up, he can continue to throw as many as he needs around. Mm, that's a good point. Okay, so maybe it's just redundancy.
0: Okay,
1: yeah. Um, and I actually did find exactly what stim injectors do. Ooh. Um, so it is a once per battle suit system. Oh. Of after you fail a save, once per battle, you have a four up feel no pain.
0: Yeah. Okay. That's pretty much what it was. Yep. That's been like, that's the original code codex. Okay, cool. And now we get to Mr. Harpster. Ah,
1: the Farsight Enclaves, the the black sheep of the Tao book.
0: But interesting, get used to seeing these, because what these guys do really well is keep this in some mind, is if they're within, I forgot what range, it's pretty close range, they just automatically gain a marker light. <laughs> yeah, because I know.
1: In the original Tau book, well, in the 8th edition Tau book, they were the close combat Tau, where they got more lethal as they got closer to you. Right. So, at that point, it was very much a, you want to shoot them from range, but then they also have a mix of range, so you have to play that weird mid-game and they jump on you, but anyway. Right. Um, so yes, Harpster's List was, it starts out with a three-man unit of Crisis Bodyguards, all with a single ion blaster, and two plasma rifles with the two-up armor-save suit in there. And then one shield-drum. A Cold Star Commander.
0: Because huh. everybody's yep. been taking the air burst Fragmentator to get the indirect
1: fire. Interesting. Okay. I, I think it's because the mentality of Farsight makes you move more. So he shoves them up the board. Good point. Maybe. Yeah. Um, but then he has a Cold Star Commander with a marker and a shield-drum. He has the Exampler of Mont Ka which... I I
0: forget what that exactly does. Um it's a bonus I know the Bonka is the Alpha Strike thing. You get bonuses based off of how close you are and then turns one, two, and three. Um, but I don't remember what the warlord trait does to help you with that. So ah, It's it's in the command
1: phase, select a friendly sept core within nine inch of the warlord until the start of your next command phase. Each time a core mollin you know, unit makes a ranged attack. Against an enemy within nine or twelve inches, if you selected the Montcalm tactical philosophy, this battle you can reroll the entire wound roll.
2: Oh,
0: okay. So there we go.
1: So yeah, you basically pick a unit and you say this thing is going to kill that thing, and there's nothing you can do about it. Um, But he also has a he has a DW zero two advanced burst cannon, which I'm assuming is a relic, a high output burst cannon plus two plasma rifles a solid image projection unit, which I'm assuming is an invuln. And then he has his ethereal with two marker light drones, a unit of, car- of crude carnivores, a brick of one, two, three, four, five crisis suits. So the norm uh-huh. with ion blasters, plasma rifles, shield generators, and stim injectors and a marker drone and three shield drones, a unit of stealth suits with a marker and a shield drone, two units of crude hounds, another patrol detachment, of with three more crisis suit bodyguards, another commander in crisis suit with marker shield drone, ion blasters, all ion blasters. Holy crap. That's scary. Um, and again, the bagel hunter. <laughs> he is the bagel hunter. Um, another unit crew carnivores five. Yeah. One, two, three, four, five. Yeah. So five more crisis suits. With um, air, frag, air bursting fragmentation projectors and flamers, along with a target lock, a single marker drone, and three shield drones, and then crew hounds, and a also bringing a supreme command detachment with Shadow Sun. So I guess Shadow Sun can exist in any title list.
0: Ah, uh, she can. So that was a. But it seems odd to have Shadow Sun in in a Farsight enclave. But okay perhaps my towel yeah. is not as accurate as I thought it was <laughs> okay
1: um well at that point reading over Shadow Sun's data sheet a little bit more mm-hmm. um she can naturally deep strike herself with Manta Strike and she can also forward deploy if you want her to instead with um Infiltrator mm-hmm.
0: that's cause yeah she's got a stealth suit basically okay
1: cool yeah Um, yeah, no, otherwise all of her stuff only affects either herself or Tao empire. So I guess it's more of just the fact that she's a forward deploying power piece, I guess. Mm. Yeah, she definitely needs her bodyguards, but yeah, she's pretty cool. But yes, that is what took the Cherokee open. So it's, I would go over the custodes list, but that would take way too much time, and we have two more events to go
0: through. So the big takeaway (laughs) I'm hearing from this is Crisis Suits are definitely on the menu. Last week, we talked about the British list. They all had eight-man blocks, and it seems like the American Mm -hmm. version is take two five-man blocks instead. That seems to be more prevalent, along with smaller stealth suits or recruit auxiliary to probably do action monkeys type stuff. So interesting yeah okay and i will
1: save the one tip that might actually be a legal ruling because i discussed it with um uh, a to recently because it was an interesting topic i'll save it for after hmm. we go after these events because this might help you fight towel yeah
0: i'm definitely looking forward to hearing that and talk about a teaser but yeah very interesting and um just different flavors on the same army. And by the way, uh, the one thing we have not heard in any of these lists, with the two from last week and uh, the three we talked about today, I have not heard once a, a hammerhead.
1: Mm-hmm. And so far, it is very much looking like if you want to bring heavy firepower, you bring broadsides instead. Yeah. So, which,
0: very interesting. All right, let's take a look. We're going to head to Valhalla GT which has, was nowhere near Norway. It was actually in, uh, I believe it was in Michigan, if I ever read that correctly. So your top 10 looks something like this. Josh Howard with Iron Hands. Good God, somebody's still playing Marines. That's amazing. Uh, <laughs> Jeffrey Geister with Adeptus Custodes. Michelle Mack with Adeptus Custodes. Matt Tatarine. Uh, no, he's not from the desert planet. That's just his last name. Uh, he's playing Gene Steeler Cult. John DeFrank playing Goffs. I believe that's an orc list. Yes, it is. Joseph Bommarito, one last ride with the old Harlequins, I'm assuming. Uh, Garrett Schramm with the Debs' Custodes. Lyle Dixon with Tau Empire. Brandon Weiss with South Sept. And um, that's Tau Sept, what I was trying to say. And then Thomas Ogden is your winner with the only undefeated player. He also had a perfect score of 500 points in five games playing mm-hmm. Tau Empire. <laughs> yep. And I do have one more correction for you, Eric. Uh-huh.
1: Michelle Mack was playing Adeptus Sororitas.
0: Did I read that wrong?
1: I apologize. Sorry. Yes, you said Casto's because I'm not going to lie, Casto's is also another menace of the meta currently. Mm. <laughs> Sorry about that. Mm. No, nah, you're fine. Um, but yes, so Lyle Dixon. Um, this is actually the one Holy that I smokes. think everyone... <laughs> yeah, this one was a little more was what everyone was scared about because he is playing Bork on... So, the one that can literally say, um, no invulnerable saves, and that thing just dies. Um, so, he has Commander of Crisis Suit, Ethereal, one, two, three, four units of Cruit Carnivores in this battalion, I think it is. Yes. Um, one, one five-man brick of Crisis Suit Bodyguards, um, two units of Vespid Stingwings, and uh, one. Who am I counting this right, Eric? Is that three storm surges?
2: That can't be right. <laughs>
1: uh, at, yeah, that's three storm surges. Um, all with counterfire defense systems, early warning overrides, pulse blast cannons, twin air bursting fragmentation projectors. Yeah, no, if you peek outside of a building, whatever was there dies. Three storm surges. Alright then. <laughs> I mean, at that point. Um, those are the perfect to last targets because they're not going to chase after your crisis suits. Um, and then we got oh, oops, I actually just nope, there we go, fix it. Um, then Brenton Weiss's list, um, just normal town subbed has Shadow Sun, um, Anva, which I'm assuming is a character, a aetheri- which is a named Ethereum space pope. Yeah, Space Pope. Um, Cold Star Commander. He also has Dark Strider. So he brought both of the Tau characters. Um, Then he has three Breacher teams, two bricks of Crisis suits, because that's a normal thing nowadays. Um, A unit of 10 Pathfinders, a unit of three Broadsides with um, no drones, no shield generators, no nothing. He just expects to kill you off the table by the f- interesting, <laughs> um, and then three double fish, so it's very much a a hammer list if I've ever seen one. And then the last one is Thomas Ogden with um Tau Sept, Dark Strider, Crisis Commander, two units of a strike team, one, two, three bricks of Crisis suits, uh, three stealth suits two tetra or uh, well, a tetra
0: uh, well, a unit of tetra i think All i remember tetra being is that little skimmer it's a forge world model that has like a, a mass broadcast market light system so uh, okay sure <laughs> uh
1: then the unit of broadsides and he also brought shadow sun so it's looking like shadow sun is becoming a very popular choice in most Tau lists, yeah, even if they aren't. But those are the um those are the top three lists of Valhalla. They're all very similar in their idea, where the Crysisists are hard to kill, but they each do it differently. So it's you won't get the same flavor of Tau twice unless you only have one Tau
0: player in your meta. Right. <laughs> it seems like there, you will not run into that. There are quite a few Tau players. We're going to move on to the Iron Cage. And this particular event uh, will continue the theme. Uh, tenth place, Marcus Gloskak. Uh, Marcus, I apologize if I mispronounced that. You're playing Chaos, so I salute you. Uh, ninth place, Dennis Sin. wonder if that's a um, a stage name. Playing Tau Empire. Gregory Hunter playing Tau Sept. Greg Harris playing Adeptus Custodes. David Villareal with Imperium. Nick Sutherland playing Forces of the Hive Mind. Gerald Coulter playing Tau. Yanni Veska is playing Slanesh Demons. Hey, not bad for third place. Uh, second place down, Brad Townsend playing Tyranids. And Nathan Bjorg playing Adeptus Custodes. So, Woo-hoo! yeah. So, Custodes and Tyranids going undefeated on the weekend. Uh, 467 points and 443 points, respectively. But uh, you still have the Tau Menace uh, 3 of the top 10 in that particular event.
1: Yeah. Um So it is definitely saying something about either the Tau pilots are extremely skilled in what they're doing with this book. Cause Tau don't like sure. Tau seem overbearing with the amount of firepower that they can do. And the fact that their units are incredibly durable, but once you get through all of that initial scare, they're still just Tau. They, they die when you, Touch them with any like multi with a whole bunch of multi damage attacks and whatnot, um, and more often than not, they live or die by the four up invuln that they
0: may or may not have. So, yeah, you pick up a really good point, and I've seen that a few times. But it's I, I guess getting back to it, is it the pilot? Is it the newness? Is it just okay? does hit you in a different way, and and this is going to shift the meta. What do you think it is? Um, honestly, I think
1: it's the fact that so like if they're bringing stuff that's non line of sight, all that stuff is lower strength. Sure, it has they can get it to higher strength potentially. It always has at least one AP or maybe two, depending on if they take upgrades for it or not. But it's it's non line of sight shooting. They can't give non non line of sight shooting like strength twelve unless it's a single shot that makes you minus one to hit or something. I don't know. Um, so it's not going to kill super durable units that are minus one to hit and or light cover, given that they don't ignore light cover. But yeah, no, if you stand out in the open and you try to play the aggressive game with tau where it was beforehand where you would just run up and touch tau and then they lose the game because they can't shoot you, um they'll punish you that they'll punish you for that now. So if you try to play if you try to alpha tau, you better make it the hardest alpha that you can think of. Because at that point, you need to kill their important units before they can kill, come back and punch you back. Mm-hmm. So in the case of that Borkin list with um, three Storm Surges, you're
0: not alpha that list at all. Right. Yeah, he's got enough durability. You may be able to take one or two of them out. But there's also the other stuff in the list where you're like, you might not, you might not even get to it. Uh, especially with all those crew advancing. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I guess where I'm kind of stuck on is I see all this indirect line of fire, so you can't just hide. You know, I'll get you on turn two. That doesn't work because you're going to take damage. Now you mentioned it was low, t- you know, low strength, low top, you know. But even if you've got, you know, fair, unless everything's in transports, then you're still going to take some damage.
1: Yeah, and it that's the trade-off is they take the lower strength, but that lower strength also usually has a higher volume of shots is there is the overall tau trade-off. So it's, you have to play surprisingly cagey with them and you have to, at least if you're playing something like custodes where you go, the only thing that can reach me is the big gun. And that can only kill one model at a time. Uh, I'm going to be like in the back third of my deployment zone And you're going to go first because then nothing can reach you outside of a few guns. And for marker lights, you have to be within 36 inches in order to get the marker lights put on you. So then your turn, you fly forward and you hide behind the buildings. So at that point it's a, you're still covered mostly. And then on that turn, you kind of have to pick and choose which side you want to go to. So Tao have gotten counterplay play. This edition, but they're still they still naturally only hit on fours, right? So if you take so if you take dense cover, you make them hit on fives. Um, it's not like free buddhas where the marker lights continuously stack to ignore minus ones to hit. It's all right. I'm minus one to hit. You put a marker light on me.
0: Well, you're back to hitting on fours. True. Yeah, that the marker lights. One way to get around it is through dense cover. Um, hmm.
1: it. I haven't played enough against Tau to give a more, um, a more analytical thing. It's just that's the way that it's kind of always worked. Like if you can make yourself hard to shoot at, Tau don't get to do a whole lot to you, right?
0: Especially because they only play in two phases: the only movement and the uh, sh- shooting phase. If you can limit the number of shooting mm-hmm. phase they have, then they really just, uh, you know, cut them back a little bit. <laughs> Easier said than done. Don't get me wrong. And uh, that's what I'm looking at here. So there's a lot more mobility. What I'm seeing in this these lists now, as I'm trying to tech against it, I'm going, hmm, okay.
1: Yeah, because the the Crisis Suits, you can... you can. There's a, a trait or something that you can do to give them a pregame move, which I think they move something like base 8 inches.
2: I think and... it's
1: like 10 now. Um... But still, the fact that they get a pregame move.
0: Oh, the pregame. Yeah, I'm sorry. Is... I'm sorry. They have the base movement is what well. I'm thinking of. My mistake. Well, no, you are right.
1: They do move. A ten- they do move ten inches. And if I'm thinking of my game, the pregame move is just a normal movement. You don't get to advance, but you still get to move ten inches, and then they move again for ten inches. So, yeah, Tau are really, really fast. No. And by the way, they fly. Yeah, minor detail. So you you can't hide from Tau very easily yeah, right. <laughs> unless you're not touching a building and you put that building something like 25 inches away from
0: <laughs> their deployment zone. Yeah, so it's just interesting seeing this all come through. I. It, Will something change? You know, I'd be curious. You know, in terms of, I I don't see a quick fix in changing point levels here. So, and I'm not sure if it does need a fix yet. So,
1: Mm -hmm. now, as I did, cough, mention earlier, um, there was a hypothetical situation that when you actually look at the wording for the battle suits being able to shoot into combat, and the wording on stuff like big guns, never tire big guns, never tire specifically says that the model that is within engagement range of any enemy units may shoot at that unit. Battle suits are worded roughly the same. So hypothetically, given it's ruled differently, it can possibly rule differently by TOS at different events. Um, So if you run up to a unit of five crisis suits and for some reason they're in a line, you go and touch a single battle suit or a single drone in that unit. Unless that, unless all five of those crisis suits can get into engagement range with you, only a certain number of models will be able to shoot your unit.
0: It's interesting observation have to be sure I get the, my hands in that codex and read that carefully because I can see my t- Tau opponent's eyes as bulged going, what? <laughs> so the, the
1: situation that it was explained with, like, again, using the five crisis suits, you have them put in a straight line and the drones are in between each of the Tau suits. Well, you have unit A go and touch the one crisis suit on the right end. You have unit B go and touch the one suit on the left end. Well, after pile in and consolidates, hypothetically, only one crisis suit is only only one crisis suit is going to be in engagement range with the unit that is touching it. So, at that point, only that single crisis suit can shoot at the unit that is touching it. And unless you kill both units that are touching the unit, then can the other units shoot? out of combat or whatever. So that could be a possible fix for combating Tau is you always have to pincer move every single unit of
0: crisis suits. Interesting. Yeah. Kind of cool. Um, it takes a lot of positioning, but it can be, it can be done especially because they're, they're pretty big bases, aren't they? They're 50 millimeter. Um, 40 or 50s. Yeah, yeah. Something like that. And i want to say they were they used to be on flyer stands so they might have switched them to something bigger now so and again that's a that is a
1: ruling that we would you would have to check with your to specifically about about the interaction and have the wordings available for the to to give a final judgment on it um or you can look at what frontline gaming does for their larger events because they have an ever evolving faq sheet for their events to help clarifying things so at that point it's definitely check with your to about the interaction whether you play tau or not because we don't need five crisis suits in a line being able to shoot into a unit when only one can actually be able to be fired yeah. so if that doesn't work then you can call me a liar and you can throw a pie at my face wow that's a bold bold
0: there all right
2: Hey listeners, this is Raymond with the Extreme Honest Podcast here to talk to you about KR Cases. If you're like me, and you're constantly looking for that better way to store your uh, armies, then look no further than KR Cases. That's right, this is the foam company known for their soft blue foam in cardboard cases. They're a great way to mix and match whenever you're heading out for that next tournament. Just swap out those boxes, and no need to worry about switching the foam in and out. They're sturdy. The boxes help protect your models, and if you, when you order, they come fast. The order is right, and for a better price than the other guy. So, go to krcases.com, and when you place your order, be sure to mention the exterminatus podcast.
0: So take a look at your ITC top 10 standings here as we wrap things up and a big shakeup with all these events we've talked about, but also I am shocked uh, in terms of how many players already have four of their six events already under their belts. I wish I had your schedule. Must be nice. Anyway, in 10th place, Jeremy Atkinson with 484 points. Ninth place, David Villarreal. 8th place, Alex Rymel. 7th place, Timothy Grant. 6th place, Nick Sutherland. 5th place, Quentin Johnson. Fourth place, B.D. Hampshire. Third place, Josh McMillan. Second place, Jack West. And number one, you know, everybody's been talking about Henry Cavill and how Superman is the number one person in Warhammer. Sorry, folks. Marvel has taken back the top spot. James Marsden, star of X-Men and 29 Dresses, for, for your girlfriends out there, is the number one player in the ITC at 729 points. Now... You can, you can be shocked all you want, Eric, but
1: I am completely oblivious to who James Marsden is because of the
0: fact that I don't watch TV anymore. <laughs> so if you remember the original uh, X-Men, so this is before the MCU came out. This is when they were, I believe, a Fox property. So this is with uh, Hugh Jackman being Wolverine. Uh, James Marsden, he was Cyclops. So he was...
1: Oh, that dude. Yeah. Okay now now picture yeah because
0: yeah. the the leather suit x-men that's what yeah. it was exactly <laughs> so that's who that is and then he's made a uh, it's funny he actually hated that job because here's his big role on the big movie and he wears a mask over his face so no one would recognize him so then he was in several other uh, romantic comedies which were actually hilarious uh 29 dresses is kind of lame but that's what he's very famous for uh Enchanted is pretty hilarious. And I rumored they just greenlit a sequel to that movie. So him Ooh. and yes, him and Amy Adams make fun of Disney Princess and Princesses. So <laughs> But there you go. DC no longer the number one fan. It's all about Marvel, once again, in the world of Warhammer.
1: <laughs> I mean, I'm still gonna be
0: biased because I play the same army as Cavill, but
1: that's just me. That's just you.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm still trying to figure out what Tom Holland plays, so uh,
1: uh, oh some you know it'd be something weird, <laughs> probably yeah.
0: but it's admic some something that some tells me Admic that or Tyranids. ooh, I could see that I could see that, but um, and then it's funny' cause, like everybody used to be for a long time. it was Vin Diesel was the biggest star that played Warhammer. and he's been kind of quiet about it, so surprised he hasn't jumped on the bandwagon. It's because of family. I think it's more because he plays Blood Angels. He knows he's got a weak army. He doesn't wanna, <laughs> you know, if I was a Blood Angel player, so I'm not going to be picking on a Custodes player anytime soon. <laughs> oh, come on. You get plus one to wound on the in the fight phase. You're fine. There you go.
1: <laughs> but no, otherwise... um, Yeah, no. It's refreshing to see that the the list of players is already being super active, but having that many events does make it a little intimidating, Like, so I think I might change my opinion. It's like, yes, off-season.
0: <laughs> you know, I kind of go back and forth on it, because part of me is like, alright, you gotta your points, and then it's like, alright, I still have, I said, roughly 40 weeks to get six games, six tournaments in. Maybe a few more, because, you know, there's going to be that. There's I always have that one tournament tournament where I'm just like, ooh, did I actually show up? I'm mean, I'm a here body, but no nothing else showed up. <laughs> yeah, you know, mm-hmm. the brain kind of went somewhere else today. So um yeah, I don't know. Um it's still the long haul, it's still your six best events. It, 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 really, is it, are you really building a lead or are you just kind of banking things for cause that was some of the things we saw later? Um, you know, guys that were like they were they realized they're like in seventh eighth place in the top ten, and like okay, what do I need to do to overtake some of these guys? And that's how Siegler ended up winning. You know, from twenty eighth mm-hmm. place to win the ITC is he had a full event while well, all these other guys were just like, well, the best I can do is you know twenty points if I win this GT. So
1: yeah, you you replace the one GT that had two ninety fives with a ninety nine and a ninety
0: eight. Whoop de doo! You just got yourself five more points or whatever right. i think that was that i remember we were saying well if this guy wins it you know it's like well he only replaces he only gains like 70 points in the standing so
1: mm-hmm. which makes it a little more plausible for everyone to you know what you go get your five events And if you don't think you'll be able to make it to LVO, you go and get your sixth one where you can. And then you just kind of sit there and relax for the rest of the season. Maybe go play another event to replace like an RTT or something.
0: Mm -hmm. I give a lot of credit to a lot of players that some switch armies, switch factions, and they try to be best in faction and multiple factions. That's pretty cool. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Like I know I, with all the events that I did with custodes for last season and then switching over to orcs, If I had continued playing Custodes, Mm. I probably would have placed overall Mm. better in the Custodes Mm. faction ranking. Now, given I wasn't in the running for Best in Faction, because I didn't win anything. But who knows? Maybe this season I might actually take an event or two, seeing as Custodes are kind of a mess right Right. now. But we'll we'll have to see, because it'd be nice to go after Best in Faction. If I don't go after the full ITC, so
0: absolutely. So yeah, so keep posted here. We'll give you continuous updates throughout the Dachmon season, and uh, week by week, talking over your top players. So looking forward to what other changes will come along. Obviously, we've got Codex Eldari coming out to be this coming Saturday. So we'll see some of the early offerings of what that has to come in. Again, I don't see a whole lot of hobby lag, unless you have to have those new plastic models. Pretty much everything that's in the book, most Eldari players have, and then you also have this the side release that it's you know the Harlequins are in there too, and um, yeah, (laughs) Uh, there's a lot to unpack in that particular book. Yeah,
1: I fully expect the troop box for Harlequins to be sold
0: out for at least two months. See, this is for once I actually have. So this is one of those you. They call it Plastic Crack for a reason. In my mind, I had maybe 300 points in Harlequins. (laughs) No. (laughs) Now, granted, I'm a little light on Void uh, void Weavers, and apparently they got a major glow up, and they're pretty good. But uh, yeah, I've got over, I think, almost 3,000 points in Harlequins. (laughs) I'm like, oh, God. and still no by Gate. Uh, I need to find one fast.
1: So see, see what you, what you, you just take some toilet paper rolls and like
0: scrunch them up real good. Like I said, I made some out of foam. I was working on some Eldar terrain and the hardest part about Eldar terrain is how do you make it semi line of sight blocking and still look like Eldar? It, it's it's hard. So yeah. I have all these gates <laughs> lying around. And I'm like, oh, I could, you yeah, know, it's an easy proxy, but everyone's going to look at me like, is that the real thing?
2: I'm like, no, no. Mm-hmm.
0: Did the TO approve it? I am the TO, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff in there. We'll talk about that in upcoming weeks, probably bring on a few guests to, t- to provide some competitive light to what they're working on. But in the meantime, my name's Eric. I'm Robert. And thank you for listening to the Exterminatus Podcast.